0: The name Battle Creek conjures in the imagination all the clashes of arms we have heard about or read about in American history, from Bull Run to Little Bighorn and even to D-Day. It's easy to assume that the name Battle Creek must be drawn from some great conflict or confrontation in history. So today, I'm going to dig into a little bit of that history and tell you how Battle Creek got its name. Now, in putting together stories about history, you often have to read a lot of material and rely on the work of historians that came before you. And in the case of the naming of Battle Creek, I'll be doing exactly that today. Now, in the book Tales of Battle Creek by Bernice Bryant Lowe, she does cover how Battle Creek got its name. And she writes a somewhat concise version of the story that I'm about to tell you. I came across a more extensive article published in the Battle Creek Moon Journal in November of 1934, and it was written by a historian and author, Elizabeth Holmberg. And so I'm going to be digging into that today and covering her detailed explanation of the series of events that takes us through the whole history of how Battle Creek became Battle Creek as we know it today and where the name comes from. Now, if you'd listened to some of my earlier podcasts, I mentioned the territorial roads and some of the early history of Michigan, and there's one in particular where I go into a lot of detail of how Michigan made a journey from a territory and achieved statehood. So if you remember that podcast episode and have listened to it, you'll remember that Governor Cass was the second territorial governor. That was Governor Lewis Cass, and he served between 1813 and 1831. And it was during his term as a territorial governor that the events that led to the name Battle Creek and the whole history behind it happened. And it had somewhat to do with some of the actions that he took as governor. And so I'm going to go into some of that history here. You might also remember then some of the earlier podcasts that I mentioned the territorial roads were beginning to be constructed. And those roads were being constructed in the mid-1820s to eighteen early 1830s. It was during that time, between around 1820 to 1828, that a survey was ordered by Governor Lewis Cass of the lower portion of Michigan and central Michigan to survey that land in preparation to organize it into counties. And the lower counties were officially organized and named in 1829. But prior to that, surveyors were sent in to survey the counties. And one of the surveyors that was assigned to the area that we know as Calhoun County arrived in the area to do his work in approximately 1824, 1825. And the name of the surveyor in charge of this area that we know today as Battle Creek and Bellevue and Penfield and that whole area was Colonel John Mullet. And he had a party of survey team that traveled with him and approximately five or six men that were with him on the survey. So it's from an incident that occurred during his time of surveying where all of this name of Battle Creek began. And before I get into the incident, what I'm going to do is read you the letter that he wrote to Governor Cass after the incident happened. And it's important to keep in context in hearing this letter, and I'm only going to read you parts of it, and I'm going to read you the parts that are really relevant to telling the story here. But realize it's from his viewpoint based on what he was told by his men that he left behind in camp. And it's not the complete story. So bear with me for the whole podcast episode here, because I'm going to kind of give you the complete story of what was really going on on both sides and what John Mullet didn't really know at the time was going on and what his men didn't know, because that gets later explained when a further investigation happened. So I'm going to read you a letter that John Mullet wrote to Governor Lewis Cass when he had to abandon his work on his survey because an incident had happened with the local indigenous population, the Pottawani Indians. Sir, in consequence of depredations committed on my party by the Pottawani Indians and the determined hostility to my surveying, I thought it most prudent to leave my district to inform you of the circumstances and solicit your interference to prevent similar occurrences in the future, as well as for the safety of the frontier settlements and for those who may be engaged in surveying the public lands. The district assigned to me is the surveying of the exterior township lines of a tract of county from Township 7 south to Township 2 north inclusive, bounded on the east by former surveyed lands, and on the west the line between ranges 6 and 7 west. I commenced at the south part of my district and progressed north as far as T1 South when I came to a tract apparently thickly inhabited with Indians as their sugaring establishments. I frequently met with small parties, all of whom evinced a determination not to permit my surveying in some instances would follow me, pull up the post and efface the marks. At other times, would preemptively order me to leave the county, step in before me to prevent my proceeding with my line, lay hold of my compass, etc. So in this letter, he's talking about his process of surveying they were actually taking axe marks and marking them in the trees and they were putting stakes in the ground and they're using survey tools and compasses to draw a lines and mark the boundaries of property and land. In the county. So that's what he's talking about at this point. All the other numeric values sort of align with present-day maps of, of Calhoun County and the other townships surrounding that area. But that's essentially what a surveyor does is he puts posts in the ground, he marks with lines, and they and they mark it out on a map so they can plot out the measurements of land boundaries. And he was working on this sector when he started running into trouble with the local Indians. So I'll go on with the letter here. He says, I had one man. In my party, who could understand and speak a little of the Indians' tongue, through him I made them understand that we were sent here by our chiefs, as I expressed it, that we were their friends and no harm would be done or intended, and that our chiefs would be disappointed if we returned without completing our work, etc. They only replied that the land belonged to them and that they would not suffer any marking of trees, and that there were plenty of Indians near, and if I proceeded, they would kill me, etc. I continued, meeting with similar interruptions for several days, determined, if possible, to complete my district. On the 14th instance, I left my camp, which was on the baseline, in the west part of Range 6, in the care of two men. Taylor, and Baldwin, and with my chairman and axman ran north to return in the evening. About one o'clock, two Indians came to camp with the same hostile appearance that they had uniformly advanced towards me, and they told Taylor and Baldwin to leave the country, that they had no right to hack the trees. Mr. Taylor made them understand that our chief sent us there, and they must get an order from them before we could go, and in every case tried to convince them that no harm was done or meant. They pretended to be in fact satisfied, entered our tent, asked for food, which was given to them. They then examined our rifle saw that it was loaded, asked them how many belonged to our party and where they were gone and at what time they would return, etc. Mr. Taylor answered that four men belonged to the party and that they were gone north and that they would be returning around sunset. They then asked for tobacco, which was given to them. After smoking some, they went outside the tent and conversed together for some time. And then they renewed their order to my party to leave the country and give them the provisions. Mr. Taylor told them that he could spare no provisions. His men were hungry. One Indian then drew his hatchet and renewed his demand, while the other Indian presented his cocked rifle to enforce it, telling Taylor to be quick. Baldwin, at that moment, endeavored by a quick step to get behind the Indian with the rifle, who, perceiving his intent, turned and discharged the rifle at him, just as Baldwin, struck it aside with his hand. The Indian then sprang and seized the rifle, which belonged to our camp, and discharged that, which was fortunately knocked aside by Baldwin in the same manner. He then made for the rifle belonging to the other Indian, who was all this time engaged with Taylor with the hatchet, which Taylor caught hold of as the Indian made a pass at him. Baldwin followed his antagonist so close as to prevent him from discharging the third rifle and succeeded in rest "'It from him. Although they broke the stock in a fray and left Baldwin in possession of the naked barrel, with which he knocked him to the ground, and flew to the assistance of Taylor, who lay with his antagonist on the ground, struggling for a possession of the hatchet. Baldwin, with one blow of his rifle barrel, relieved Taylor from his disagreeable situation. They bound the Indians hand and foot, and kept them until my return to camp, which was a little after sunset. I felt sensible of the danger of our situation but could see no alternative but to keep them until morning after hearing the particulars of the affray from taylor and baldwin i went to the indians and asked their names and told them i should have to take them to detroit to have them punished signed john mullet so that is the first letter written by Mullet, and apparently he left the camp because this was too hostile of a situation, and he didn't really know what to do. So I guess he pulled his survey team after that incident and wrote the letter and got it delivered to Governor Cass, awaiting his response. So the rest of this uh, story goes on. He says immediately after receipt of the letter, Governor Cass sent out Colonel Lewis Beaufort, an Indian interpreter, to settle the affair. Beaufort found that. An old trader called Old Baptiste had incited the Potawatomies into a hostile attitude towards the surveyors. It appeared that he was anxious about the welfare of his trade among the Redskins, and that he made them believe the whites were out to interfere with the sugar-making of the Indians. Beaufort explained to the chiefs and the old Baptiste that the whites could only help them. As a result, the Indians and the other trader promised never to molest the surveyors again, and the promise was kept. The surveying was again taken up in November of 1825 and was completed in January of 1826. So it's been presumed that at this point when the surveying was being done, they were naming the river, which was right next to where this camp was where the incident happened. So they named the river Battle Creek in reference to the incident that happened with the two Indians and the survey team. So he named that river Battle Creek. Maybe he was doing it as a joke. Maybe he was doing it just to mark it on the map where the incident happened to explain it to Lewis Cass. Whatever the reason, the river became named Battle Creek. And this incident happened actually up in the Bellevue area and the land that is where this incident occurred on is actually on someone's private property these days but um, it was right next to the river it's near the Bellevue area and I've talked to some historians in the area that know where it is, and they say it's just kind of an open area of river. So that was where the river Battle Creek got its name, and the village Battle Creek Downriver took on the name Battle Creek over the years that it was forming. Now, in 1830, the township where Battle Creek resides today is actually the city of Battle Creek, which used to be called Battle Creek Township. The township in 1830 was named Milton, and the village was also called Milton. It was named officially at the state at the Michigan level as Milton. But the locals all called it Battle Creek. So it's explained in this article that Milton was the first official name of Battle Creek. By 1833, the little settlement had grown to the point where it was incorporated as a township called Milton. The place was popularly known among the inhabitants, however, as Battle Creek. And by that name, it has been designated ever since. Now there's another interesting twist to the story that I'm going to get into in a moment. It's another article that um, ties in some more history of the name of Battle Creek. At 1833, it was still officially called Milton and it wasn't until it was officially incorporated a few years later that it became officially Battle Creek. It was more colloquially named Battle Creek by the inhabitants at that time. The village of Battle Creek was officially platted in 1836. Milton at that time had kind of gone to the wayside and Battle Creek instead of Milton was inscribed as the name of the place in the platting. Now, although it was platted in 1836, it wasn't officially incorporated as a village until 1850, and that was when William Brooks was the first village president, and Isaac Mott was the first clerk. It continued then from 1833 to 1850 officially as the township of Milton, but generally known by the name the city now bears Battle Creek. At the time, the township, which originally included Penfield, Emmett, and Bedford townships as well. As Battle Creek Township, and the present city site was under the government of a supervisor, clerk, and justice of the peace. Those were the three officiating bodies of that whole area. But the village of Battle Creek as an official village didn't last very long, because on February 3rd, 1859, the place was officially incorporated as a city, and Elijah Pendle was the first mayor, serving from 1859, 1860, and 1860. Another name that Battle Creek was popularly known as in that area was also called Queen City, as Battle Creek was sometimes known. That was around 1855. Now, a funny set of circumstances happened during the period of time where it was officially incorporated as the city of Battle Creek in 1859. Around 1858, they held a village meeting, and they had a lot of parties together at this meeting trying to determine a name for the city, what they were going to be officially called. You know, they had been the village of Battle Creek. They had an opportunity to change the name, so they wanted to put it up to a vote. And there's a there's a pretty lengthy article that was written on this at one point, and I read the whole thing. But there's a little short excerpt that was uh, kind of prematurely run by the Grand Rapids newspaper, and it was, um, it was put in the Grand Rapids Inquirer in 1858, December 31st, 1858. After this meeting, and essentially there were a few names that were on the table okay first of all Battle Creek was obviously there another name was Calhoun City another was Eureka and then there was a fourth name called Wapakisco and the story behind this was there was really only one or two people pushing for Wapakisco it was and I don't know that it had an exact Derivation From what I was able to find, it was kind of an invented Indian name or a that they had come up with and assigned some meaning to saying it was of a Native American tongue. It may have been an anglicized version of an actual Native American word. That I don't know, and that'd be interesting to ask some of the local tribespeople about that wording. But whatever the case, there was two or three men that were really pushing for this Wapakisco, and they were apparently pretty vocal about it at the meeting, and... I guess on the first meeting in uh, held on Monday, December thirteenth, the city held a vote or a preliminary vote when they were adopting the city charter, and it was resolved that the name of Battle Creek would be changed to Wapakisco. And in this little short excerpt, three cheers for Wapakiscans. Following other names were successful that were proposed, and it goes into Battle Creek, Eureka, Calhoun. So they assumed that this was the, a done deal, but apparently there was another vote or series of votes to happen. And when it got out in the local paper around town, More people showed up at the next meeting and said, yeah, I don't think so, folks. And the people that were pushing the Wapakisco got kind of outvoted in the subsequent meetings. Battle Creek was officially charted as a city on February 3rd, 1859. So between this meeting on December 13th, 1858 and February 3rd, 1859, Uh, More of the villagers showed up and said, no, we're not doing that. And Battle Creek became the official name. So essentially, if you want to say, where did Battle Creek get its name? It got its name from a river. And where did the river get its name? It got its name from a confrontation between land surveyors and Native Americans who were encouraged to create a conflict based on false information by a greedy trader who had been there, over from the French... uh, trading system. There was a lot of French traders still on Michigan soil during that time. And so he thought uh, these guys were coming in to uh, move in on his interests. So he did a whispering campaign with the local tribe and got the Potawatomi to do his dirty work for him by giving him false information. So that's kind of how that came about. And to put it into context, the information I found in other references, and I have mentioned in some of the other podcasts that I've already released, in the, written in the pioneer collections that were by historians from this area indicated that there was a good trading relationship with the Native Americans occurred from 1830 and later. So during the 1825-1824 incident with the land surveyors, the Native Americans hadn't really had much contact with the settlers that were moving in or there wasn't that many of them at the time. But they did ultimately establish a good trading relationship with the people that were arriving and they shared food and that's how a lot of the the early settlers were able to uh, succeed. Successfully get through the first couple of winters here in this part of the country. So they were not the villains as portrayed in the original letter. And I don't think John Mullet had that intention when he wrote the letter. I think he was just caught in a situation where... He was trying to be very diplomatic about it. He didn't understand why it was happening, but he knew that he couldn't proceed any further because the individual threats were now getting into some physical altercations. So he reached out and asked for assistance. And it was good that they did do that because when the other colonel came in that actually could speak with the Indians and sort out the problem, they found out what was really going on and were able to get it peacefully resolved. So, But the name did wind up on a map, Uh, as the name of a river, and that's what happened. So there was no big bloody battle. It was more like a tussle on the ground with some men over a disagreement and a misunderstanding created by a third party who was hiding somewhere else, probably laughing to himself that he'd brought this about. So that's uh, also a good lesson to learn in life in general, that sometimes when two people are fighting, it's really not the two people that are fighting that are the issue, it's the other person that is hiding outside of the picture that you don't see, that probably caused the the whole confrontation to begin with. So it's always uh, good to kind of take a few steps back and say, hmm, what's going on here? Sounds like uh, Governor Cass at least had enough foresight to say, you know, something else is going on. Let me send somebody there to talk to the Indians and see what's happening. So it was a interesting backstory about the name of Battle Creek and its incorporation. I was not able to determine how the name Milton came about, and I'll try to do some more research and talk to some other local historians I've asked a few people over the years, and I've never been able to get an exact uh, origin of how Milton was chosen as the early township name. Maybe it was named after uh, a settler, or could have possibly just been something that the surveyors named the area when they came through in the period of time between 1820 and 1825 that they did their surveying of this region, because they were naming things, rivers and sections, and it could have been they just named it after their mother, for all we know, and that's how it stuck with settlers that were arriving. were just identifying with what was on the map so that could very well be if maybe somebody took some time to do some digging into some of the uh, early maps we might get a better clue and I'll try to find out if any other historians somewhere in the many books that were written about that period left any clues to that effect of how Milton came about but that is essentially the story of how Battle Creek got its name now I have also uh, heard from another local A history buff that I was speaking about the naming of Battle Creek. And he said that the two men involved in the incident, Baldwin and Taylor, that one of them in later years wrote down their own account of what happened. And it was different from what they told John Mullett and what Mullett relayed to Lewis Cass. So if I can get a copy of that letter, I'll probably do a follow-up to this podcast and read that, because that would be interesting to see from that guy's letter. I think it was um, Baldwin that wrote the letter is what I was told, but I may be incorrect on that. But either case, it would be very interesting to hear their account of it. Of course, they wrote it many years later, so people tend to embellish things over time. I found the same write-up about this incident in another article and there had been some talk about how the original letter from John Mullet is probably a little more accurate and that the story had been embellished over time it obviously had been embellished with the city founders because at one point a stained glass window was in place at city hall that depicted bloodshed and the Indians were killed and so forth. Um, so the story was obviously embellished and changed over time. But just reading John Mullet's original letter kind of gives you some parameters of what actually went down. So that's going to conclude today's episode. I hope you found it interesting. It is certainly fun to dig into the origins of some of these names and how Battle Creek got its name has been a question I've been asked many times. And I've been meaning to do a video on this and I probably will do a video on this at uh, some future date. But I thought I would go ahead and put this podcast episode together to help uh, direct people to some of the facts on the matter. And I will put some of the links to the videos that I mentioned in this podcast in the description down below, as well as the link to my website. If you want to reach out to me and suggest other stories or things that you'd like to hear about the area, you can contact me there. And be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel. I frequently have videos up there. I usually publish them every friday with a new interesting historical story or video about something and of course subscribe to the podcast and listen to my other episodes i'm trying to get these podcast episodes out every tuesday and friday so come along and join me and let's explore some history together thanks for listening